based on internal evidence, a number of biblical scholars believe that Matthew, the tax collector turned apostle, originally wrote his gospel in Hebrew, and then it was quickly translated into Greek, probably after the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, which was in the year 70 AD. Now, why would Matthew have written his gospel in Hebrew? Matthew, a Jew, wrote his gospel for Jews to show that Jesus, Yeshua, is Messiah. Now, why is that important? When Jews had either heard or read the opening line of our text, Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, a number of them would have probably have been shocked, some might have been horrified, and certainly it would have raised a lot of eyebrows. Why? In Jesus' time, the rabbis forbade any Jew from going into that area, Caesarea Philippi. Why? It was a pagan city where the worship of fertility gods, especially the Greek god Pan, took place, and that worship included performing sexual acts. Caesarea Philippi was originally established by the Greeks. It was taken over by the Romans, who gave it to King Herod the Great, who, in order to remain in the empire's good graces and keep his crown, built an elaborate marble temple to the divinity of the Emperor Augustus. This is about the year 19 BC. This, too, would have added to Jewish disgust for the area. The temple was situated deliberately in front of a cave that was thought to be the portal to the netherworld and all of its chaos. There was also a very elaborate temple dedicated to the Greek god Pan that had a deep well that, according to the uh, Jewish historian of that era, Josephus, was so deep there was no way of measuring it. The pagans believed that, the, that fertility spirits lived in these waters during the winter months, and they needed to be worshipped. The entire area was perfectly situated in a very green and lush environment that had ample free-running water, surrounded by tall cliffs, giving it a very uh, dramatic look. It was a major tourist destination in Jesus' time. And all this begs the question, why would Jesus take his disciples to a place so repugnant to the Jewish people? Jesus wanted to demonstrate that there is no amount of evil or perversion that can inhibit or in any way stop God's grace from manifesting itself. With all this veneer of beauty and elaborate temples of background, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they were more than happy to spread the gossip you know, gossip is really easy because we're not putting any skin into the game. But when the Lord asked, but who do you say that I am? And an embarrassing silence engulfed the disciples. Only Peter blurted out, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, clearly, coming up with such an insight was well beyond Peter's pay grade. 
And yet, that's the very mystery of grace. God can work in any person's fallen nature to reveal what fallen nature cannot fathom. Jesus knew this was the work of his father. And this is where things get very interesting. Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Jesus makes it clear to Peter, hey buddy, you didn't come up with this on your own, Uh uh-uh. It was given to you by my Father, and Peter, I'm proud of you. You had the humility to accept it and the courage to proclaim it. And then Jesus did something that grabbed everyone's attention, including Peter's. Jesus changed Peter's name. Now, originally, Peter's name in Hebrew was Shimon. Now he was be called Kepha, which means rock or stone. We get the word Peter from the Greek word for rock, Petrus. All the disciples would have realized, Peter would have realized, something happened. In the Semitic mindset, a change in one's name invariably meant a change in the course of that person's life, his work, and his relationships. Nothing about that person's life can ever be the same. And after changing the apostle's name from Shimon to Kepha, rock, Jesus said, And upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Now we know why Jesus deliberately took his disciples to this place of elaborate temples made of marble with high stone cliffs, where all kinds of fertility rites were practiced by the pagans, where many believed there was a portal to the netherworld and all of its chaos. Peter, the rock, was not made of stone, but of weak human flesh and even even weaker willpower. Not exactly sturdy foundational stuff to build on, is it? And yet that's precisely the point. Divine grace will use Peter's weaknesses and failures, our weaknesses and failures, to be the vehicles by which God's power manifests itself to the world, to assure all that God can and will bring anyone trapped in the darkness of sin and ignorance back to his or her status as his son or daughter created in his image. Jesus chose that spot of ignorance, debauchery, to teach every generation that his church is not to keep distant or aloof from the evils of this world. On the contrary, Jesus' church is to get into the world's face with the truth, to stand at the mouth of the netherworld, so to speak, and declare the truth that evil is powerless against divine love and divine mercy. This, of course, always enrages the powers of this world, making the church a target for its hatred, 
its need to control the church and destroy her. Why? The powers of this world do not want people to know how much God loves them and what that love calls them to be. The powers of this world do not want people to have any inkling of the dignity God sees in every human life from conception to death. The powers of this world want us to think that they are the authors of our freedoms, not God. The powers of this world dread the prospect of anyone contemplating for a second the life that God has in store for those who will accept his grace because then the world and all of its illusory veneer of beauty starts crumbling away to reveal its darkness, its emptiness, its despair, its utter impotence to offer the human soul what it was created to crave and receive, hope, meaning, love, life. The powers of this world have always tried, and they try now, Bring the church under their control and destroy her. This is happening in China as we speak. It's happening in many places around the world. It always has. It always will. Jesus, however, preserves his church. Oh yes, the powers of this world can inflict a great deal of damage to the church's institutional structures. The powers of this world can arrest Christians, torture Christians, put Christians to death. But Jesus makes it clear, the powers of this world are powerless to thwart the life of grace.